a playlist original. From the creators of Get Shorty. No bills off the bottom of the drawer, please. It's your first time being held up. You're doing great. Witness the robbery. Ever wear one of these? I don't ski. Extortion. 500 bucks for a pillow? Does seem a little high, doesn't it? Shut up, dick. Kidnapping. Oh. I'm a federal marshal and you're under arrest. You want to take it to my place, get cleaned up, come out of the bathroom with your aftershave on, and she goes, oh, I had you all wrong. And other criminal acts. I'm not stealing the car. I already stole it a week ago, so I can't be stealing it again, can I? George Clooney. Not exactly a nine to five type. Jennifer Lopez. You like to get out and tussle a little bit? Yeah! Wow! We tussled. Ving Rames. Let me help you with these. Don't expect a tip. I'll just take your car. And Albert Brooks. Are those my suits? Nah, these are my suits. Out of sight. You ain't got another clip I can use, dude. Rated R starts Friday, June 26th. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your hosts, Gaius and Jackson. Yet another anniversary episode. That's right. <laughs> a good one today. And we got a special guest on today, long-term friend of the podcast, Merc with the Movies, joining us to discuss Out of Sight by Steven Soderbergh. Another first-time watch for myself. And I imagine, I know we hadn't discussed this yet, but uh, one of, that he was eager to join us on. So I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say today. Yeah. I got a message very early on, like a while ago when like we were talking about like uh, anniversaries for 2023 and he was like, I know you like that movie. Like you're going to like cover it. You're going to cover it for like, if you cover it, if you cover it for his 25th anniversary, like I could be on that one. Right. And I was like, yeah. So there's like, there's two movies that he's like officially put penciled in on. And it was this one. And then the faculty at the end of the year. Yes. I <laughs> you know, I that. I, honestly, I did not know that was having an anniversary this year. So, and we've talked about this many times and my buddy Cam and I, we've discussed this movie before and I'm super hyped to be covering that one later. So. Thank you for that. That's awesome. <laughs> but yes, yeah. welcome back, Merck. Yeah, I'm welcome back, Merck. Back. Yes. You know, there's always a lot of fun, but this one's going to be special. My favorite Soderbergh movie. So that's a G. G oh, that's a, G love. I didn't know that. I knew, I I knew you liked it a lot. Of, I mean, <laughs> it's up there for me for Soderbergh, too. Granted, I haven't seen a lot of his even more yeah, acclaimed yeah. films like Traffic. I haven't seen yet, but Traffic of the Soderbergh. Oh, yeah, movie, you got to see that. This was way up there for me. No, that's what I like. Yeah, what you got to. G loves it. I'm like, I know he's going to cover it. I'm like, I don't care if this yeah, is in there. for the whole year. I'm like, I need this one. Cause yes. Yeah. I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> No, man. I love the, I love the pencil in months in advance. You're like, yeah, just like bookmark that for me. Like I'm, I'm on that episode. Whenever you do it, I don't care if you do it early, late, whatever. As long as you get it done, I will be on it. So no, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. As yeah, always, 100%. you have you have so many followers. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I gotta tell G like most of that advanced stuff. I'd be like, oh, like two weeks from the anniversary. Like, oh, I already got that book. I'm like, nope. I let Falcons November. Been having booked for like the last seven months. <laughs> yep, yep. He's already he's already in there, man. There's no one else that's gonna replace oh, the faculty. Don't worry, man. <laughs> of course, but as you already heard, the movie we are celebrating today for its. 25th year is out of sight it was released on june 26 1998 it is directed as you heard by steven soderbergh and written by scott frank adapted from elmore leonard's 1996 novel of the same name and it stars a whole lot of people george clooney <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> george clooney jennifer lopez vang rames don Cheadle, Dennis farina nancy allen steve zahn Catherine keener and albert brooks and there are a 
a couple of other nice little cameos in there that we'll talk about. Uh, I mentioned this Jackson offline before we started. While this film was a great critical success, like near universal praise when it came out, and it also was nominated, as you said, for best film editing and for best adapted screenplay, it was not a huge commercial success when it came out in the summer of 1998. There is some speculation as to why, but for the sure, movie is the, the movie is important for a few reasons, though, still, even though it wasn't highly successful at the time. For George Clooney, he was trying to like break out of TV and the movies at the time. Mm-hmm. He was on ER and he had a really spot spotty track record in the film because he did yeah. like one fine day, one fine day with Michelle Pfeiffer, the peacemaker when oh, yeah. Nicole Kidman, and another little movie called Batman and Robin a year before this. <laughs> so this movie this movie for a lot of people solidified him as like a movie star like they realized that he could be a leading man uh moving forward it's also one the first of many collaborations he had with steven soderbergh also a very important movie for jennifer lopez who was coming off of she had been in a lot of like little movies before selena but selena was her big breakout and i mentioned anaconda to jackson because anaconda came out after selena but it was financially successful back to back and then she did this and this was proof that she also is a very charismatic leading lady and when she feels like it she can actually act so there'll be more on that later yes, too she did she did she put in a wonderful performance this movie and i was a little yeah. skeptical didn't know what i was gonna get i haven't seen a lot of JLo. what i've seen from her before i wasn't really crazy about but no she she was awesome in this movie fantastic in this and then the last person this was really important for too is Soderbergh himself I mean he was a kind of independent auteur filmmaker before this and he was coming off of a few flops and even though this wasn't like a huge commercial success it kind of showed what kind of movies he could make moving forward like these kind of like nice looking big Hollywood movies and you know because after this you get into Aaron Brockovich and Traffic and the Oceans you know Oceans 11 I mean, the guy was nominated for best director for Aaron Brockovich and Traffic in the same year. So, like, he had a really good, he had a really good, really good year, really good uh, following years after this movie came out. So, despite the fact that it wasn't a huge film, it was very important for a lot of people who were involved in it. Uh, you know, we, Jackson, this was a first time watch for you. I like to know, Merck, when did you first discover the movie? I mean, it's as is usual with these with these anniversary stuff. Me and G show our ages. I'm like, this is no, no, I- <laughs> this, this was a blockbuster movie for me. It was like my brother brother rented it. You know, like I had seen Batman and Robin. I had seen The Perfect Storm. So obviously, I was too young for ER. So I I knew Clooney from certain movies. I like I like Three Kings a lot too. So it was like you know, I'd say it was like early 2000s from Blockbuster. Like, obviously, I knew who Jayla was because you know, being Latino is like she was a big thing. And like, I, I, like, I, was, I, was, I was young, so like, I, mean, like I, I put her close to like because Selena. The, that movie came out like two years after her death. So it was like, oh like, yeah, so it'd be like more like enough, I guess. And <laughs> what else? Enough. Stuff like that. No, but, enough. but yeah, so, no, so it was like it was a big movie for me. I obviously, I mean, I was probably like nine or ten when I first saw it. So I, this is a movie that I always says I got older, I appreciate it more because, you know, like I, I got to, you know, I, always when you get older, you understand movies, certain movies better. So, you know, it's definitely a movie totally. that I've always liked, but over the years I've loved and as I've said at the beginning, it's my favorite Soderbergh movie. And we'll dive more into like how it, it really was a comeback movie because like G, G mentioned, he debuted with Sex, Lies, and Videotapes, got an Oscar nomination, but then he just went on a really cold streak with like King of the Hill, Kafka, and the underneath. Yeah. So no, it's like it's definitely a movie that I've appreciated as I got older, but I loved from from the very first time. Nice. 
guess for me, I actually saw this movie in theaters in with theaters? my parents. I knew of it. course I, you I, did, yeah. man. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, mom and my mom and my stepdad really wanted to see it, and I didn't really have. This was, I mean, at a time where I don't think I would have cared either way. Like what I was seeing, I was like, "Oh, it looked kind of cool from the previews." I do remember kind of the TV spots, like made it look kind of fun. And you know, and I even though I was young, I had seen stuff like Pulp Fiction already, and it kind of felt like it had that it had that kind of style a little bit, that kind of like feel to it. So. I saw it in theaters. I'll be honest. I don't. I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have then because I, I think I was too young to really appreciate it. It wasn't until uh, yeah, it wasn't until like years after that when mentioned the movie and realized that like a lot of people hadn't seen it. And like you know when they were talking about Steven Soderbergh movies and they were talking about like tra- you know traffic and Aaron Brockovich and Oceans, Aaron Brockovich, and I mentioned it out of sight, and they're like, "No, nah, I've never heard of it." and I always, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but I always use it as an example when I need to prove that Jennifer Lopez can't act. Yep. I'm like, hey, yeah. like, like, I'm like, always, it's always like this, like, little, well, now a trifecta for me. It's always like Selena, out of sight, hustlers. I'm like, if you want to, you want to prove, if you want to prove that Jennifer Lopez can actually act when she fucking the feels right like script. it, and she doesn't just, and it's the right script and she doesn't just phone it in or, you know, isn't in the rom com of the month. She yeah. could actually, she could actually put in work. So, I've I've shown a lot of people the movie based on that, and then they're like, oh well. Then they're like, oh yeah, she really is good. And I'm surprised that she doesn't get more roles like this, you know, in general, because you know she's very convincing playing that part. And I guess like like most movies that kind of didn't do well when they came out in theaters, you can tell that this has gradually gotten a bigger cult following as it's as the years have gone by. A lot of people, again, like kind of rediscover it in a way where it's like, oh, when did George Clooney really take off? And they'll like, you can say like, you know, the Ocean's movies and stuff. And then you just go to this mm. first and you're like, hey, it kind of starts here uh, where he kind of proved that he could lead a movie in a really big way. And he, you know, like we said, he had been trying <laughs> before, <laughs> a couple years before to really do it. He was just not having good luck until, you know, he got with Soderbergh on this. And he was Soderbergh's first choice. He was kind of like in line already for the part. Right on. And they kind of built it around him a little bit. Surprisingly, well, I guess not surprisingly, Jennifer Lopez was not on the radar for her part at all. Sandra Bullock read for this. They and they right. had like a chemistry read with each other. And uh Steven Silver said they had really great chemistry and they probably have great chemistry in another movie, but it wasn't the right Gravity. chemistry for this. Soderbergh was <laughs> and, that, right? That didn't didn't like her for it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't like her for it. He, he said they were good together. He liked their chemistry, but he was like, it was the wrong kind of chemistry for the part. Um, and then I heard also Julia Roberts was a possibility, and as was Mira Servino, who was pretty big issue. Yeah, she was coming out for Oscar Academy Award. But now Jennifer Lopez kind of came in, and 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 then there was uh, they saw instant chemistry between her and George Clooney. And I mean, honestly, that's for me the biggest selling point. These two are very good together. They mm-hmm. are. They make some, they make, there are a few scenes in the movie that they just make on their own based on looks and just delivering like really well-written dialogue where it's like, you're almost like hypnotized by watching them a little bit. And it's kind of a joy to watch like, you know, two, it was almost like two pros in a tennis match kind of going back and forth in certain scenes with them. And it was great to kind of see, see that from, I mean, I guess you kind of expect it from him even then, but like even watching it now as someone like, you know, knowing her, like that was like kind of like an early, so early run for her, and that she was up to the challenge and game for what they were throwing at her. 
which is why it's so frustrating. Like I said, that you know she isn't like this all the time. But yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. It's a movie. I, I don't know if it's my favorite Soderbergh movie. I mean, maybe you'll change my mind by the end of this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I've always yeah, been partial to traffic. I've always, okay. I've always loved traffic a lot. But this is a very solid one, and probably I would say his underappreciated because you know a lot of people. Again, I think I, I, even with it being like right now, is I, I think like it is now, better than yeah. But like if we like five years ago for sure, but I think now his most underrated, I'll probably say is either the Limey is the movie he did after this is like a is like a right. version of a guy rich like a you probably seen it G right? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, it's like it's like a, yeah, it's pretty good. Guy Richie stops like there's like a Cockney, it's like a British guy, he's like a ex gangster, which I think you were like Jackson is with Terrence totally. Stamp. And then I think maybe Solaris because you know space. I, I like Solaris. Well, I actually like Solaris. Well, have you seen the uh, Andre Tarkovsky original? I did see it. That's fucking fantastic. I can't even believe that was remade by Soderbergh of all people too. I'm seeing this. I'm on his eyes. I'm like, what the hell is that? Anyway, it was. <laughs> It was supposed to be James Cameron, but, but he was busy with Avatar. Oh, James that James actually makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he produced it, but he he, oh, shit. he was busy in Avatar Land, and I think I think this it was like news Soderbergh. Man. Yeah, I think you know I'm always good with these infos. I think like Soderbergh was like either a fan of this thing and or like they were close friends and he he gave it to him. But yeah, The Lion and Solaris I think are probably his most underrated movies now because out of sight, I feel like is. The, during the 25th anniversary, I saw that many people were posting. I'm like, okay, I, I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, people know it. I get to you, Jackson, in just a second. I'm just saying, just yeah. in case people don't know what the film is about, just a very bare bones. Career bank robber breaks out of jail and shares a moment of mutual attraction with a U.S. marshal he has kidnapped. There's a lot more going on there, but like that is that's kind the of basic. The that's the basic plot and what drives it. Uh, you know, as, as the first time watch, Jackson, you're cliff notes kind of ver- version of what you thought of the movie what did you think after wrapping it up i thought it was like super entertaining again like i really went into this movie not being that familiar with it probably just because of my age just came out the year that i was born Soderberg, yeah. <laughs> his career really took off i'd say after this like early 2000s after the oceans and a lot of his later movies are kind of like what i feel like my generation really associates soderbergh with and definitely the magic mics even though i haven't seen any of them so <laughs> this is definitely at least among like the people that i know that i speak movies with is definitely i completely agree with you merc underrated but i mean totally thought it delivered like cast was excellent our leads did a fantastic job gee you brought up a point here a moment ago that i really wanted to comment on when you said watching j-lo and george perform was like a two pros in a tennis match i could not agree more probably yeah. most of which in that scene which i because like i mentioned off camera unfortunately my my viewing experience for this one wasn't as ideal as i would have chosen i had to break it up in a couple of different segments just you know with time restraints or whatever but the yeah. one of the scenes i was watching this afternoon was them in the bar at the hotel when they're yeah kind yeah, of like the best scene yeah exactly. <laughs> george kind of cut he goes how long are we going to keep this up but you can tell if they hadn't interrupted each other they would have kept going on like using their aliases and continuing that conversation for as long as the other one would have allowed it and i thought that was some fantastic yeah. acting and then probably cut to the sleekest sexiest part of the movie directly after that which i think is what this movie gets a lot of attention for even years later right. it's a gorgeous looking movie and like the stars of the time were definitely some eye candy on both sides so yeah, yeah. it holds They're up at I'd their say, hottest. After, yeah it, like literally <laughs> and it's cool to see a movie like this be so influential yet underrated for pretty much all involved in terms of like the leads and and steven soderbergh himself so really cool i definitely recommend it to any 
Steven Soderberghians, people that really love his filmography that haven't seen this, it comes with my stamp of approval, that's for sure. Yeah, that's good to hear. Really, I'm glad you referenced that one scene in the bar because, like, mm. it's funny for like a movie like this. A lot of my friends who have seen it, you know, they they mentioned some of the more like funny stuff. Like Don Don Cheadle has like a lot of great moments in this movie. So so does so does so Steve Zahn, and like you know, there's and there's not like a ton of action in it, but they kind of reference that stuff more. And mm. then they're always surprised when people reference the scene in the bar the most because like it's just just a dialogue driven scene with between yes. two actors, right? But is like this is like the consummate build up to this relationship and uh you know, we've gotten to know about these two like building up to this and then finally, finally having right. like another right 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 and it's like it's flirty it's fun it's sexy while being tasteful uh, yes. at the same time it's not it's Tastefully. not tawdry at all it's like and the fact that that scene is like cut in a way where it goes yeah, back that, in the dialogue so in the good. bar and to the bedroom stuff where you know really good like build up and i actually think the whole scene is great when the other two guys are coming up to her trying to like buy her a drink and she's just like no like not having it she's like and i think the whole scene is really well written and it was crazy is that i was telling jackson i was listening to the audio commentary and steven soderbergh wanted to cut that scene down a lot and the reason he didn't cut it down was because he was like all right these they were so good in the scene he was like he was yeah. like i couldn't think of like where i where i could cut it to make it shorter but he was like it felt long when we were like watching it in like the editing room i guess it's a but i'm like but like he, i was like i wonder if it's like now if he's like well no i mean i should just let these i mean watching these two just kind of go at it was the reward i guess and but yeah it, it's considered by a lot of people who love the movie their favorite part and it's and it's also really well shot it's a beautiful looking scene too like the the backgrounds in the bar like really like the cinematography is great in that scene like it's just a really Everything about it comes together so Hearing well. You mentioned that about him wanting to cut that scene, just combining that with some other trivia that I'd brushed up on. Just even though he'd been directing for eight or nine years at this point, like this, he's still very much like a juvenile filmmaker at this point. And I yeah. mentioned that because I'm sure I don't know if you had read about this painstaking process he went through with the trunk scene near the beginning where they're locked in there. He filmed oh, like yeah. five takes of that scene uh, just to end up of the trunk scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just and then the different. <laughs> version of it later and i think he tried to do a one shot that was just kind of rejected by test audiences and it's funny to see such now an acclaimed director like just struggling a decade into his you know his career with stuff like this so you wouldn't expect that but it's funny yeah. by the end when it's all said and done like you mentioned Mark, oscar nominated editing clearly it all worked out in the end but it's funny to see these behind the scenes things that they struggle with yeah it is crazy it's interesting too because a screenwriter is also on the audio commentary and he said that the scene in the trunk is actually he thinks the most important scene in the movie because you have to like get so their relationship you have to get yeah, there like yeah. right there. happens in that moment you. yeah right and you have to like you have to believe that she kind of is instantly kind of spinning and he's instantly kind of spinning with her mm-hmm. and i also think it helps that you learn early in the movie that she kind of has like a really spotty relationship with men like you know the whole thing with like right randy glenn and him being like married and like all that stuff like she's she's not like she has like a a, a very conventional like love life from what it right. seemed so like so she would be attracted to someone like mr foley here and it would make mm-hmm. sense for her to fall for him even though it's like completely wrong and against completely against her job to like even go for someone like a bank robber like this but like you understand it based on i mean that scene alone i think really solidifies how uh the attraction starts there yes. even though even though when they stop the car and 
she gets her gun. She ends up shooting yeah, yeah. people drunk. She's still doing her, still got a job. <laughs> She's still doing, still doing her job. You're still doing her job. Uh, what do you guys kind of think about? We talked about it a little bit offline because you said it was it's hard. It would have been a hard watch for Jackson having to stop, start, and stop it because there's a lot of cutting from back and forth from like the jail stuff to present day and all that. Do you think? I guess Merck, I gotta ask you first. Do you think all that stuff is handled pretty well as far as like bouncing back and forth and like still maintaining? interest for the audience while they're watching the stuff that's also going on in present day too um there's uh, like i say for first watch is obviously a lot to take in because you got you know you bounce all okay did this happen you know because they show a lot of prison scenes and then sometimes it, like, the timeline gets jumbled where it's like you you don't really tend to know if it's okay is this happening before you know before they talk to albert right so like once i would say on repeated viewings it definitely the editing is less like confusing because you right. kind of pick up certain scenes but like on first watch if somebody was to tell me oh you know it's a little hard to follow it's completely understandable but it's a movie that you know it's like that's the those are the best kind of movies when it's rewatchable when you pick up a lot more stuff like it's a movie that just holds up because you you get to pick up a lot of things and it's just i like long linear movies like my favorite movie one of my favorite movies of all time is paul fiction which is there the king of of just jumping, jumping around, around. Like you're jumping around yeah. yeah yeah like i remember when I, the first time i watched it is like you see when Bruce Willis kills John Travolta, but then you see him again. It's like you know, like the first time I was like, "Hold on, what?" We know it's like it takes <laughs> a lot. To, but that's that's another movie that's that's so fun to piece together. Like, okay, this happened before this and that. Like, like technically the the Bruce Willis story is the end of the movie, even though it's like the right. second story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. What I really like too is that uh, the overall like in game, as far as like I hate to call it a heist, whatever the job that they're they're doing, it's a uh, <laughs> i'm glad that it's not like an overly complicated thing because because to me that's not the focus of the movie right for me it's always the central relationship between karen and him and but i like that they don't kind of overcomplicate it even though it is it is interesting enough to follow and see how they will kind of pull it off and who's going to double cross you it becomes very obvious that don Cheadle is not a very trust well no one's really trustworthy (laughs) but he's definitely not a very trustworthy person uh but yeah, I like that that wasn't the focus. The focus is always on character in this more so than the actual job, which I thought was like a really interesting thing to do. And apparently that is the same for the novel as well. It's mostly about the character and less the characters and less about the overall heist that kind of wraps everything up. Which I think some they said some people thought it was weird, but the initial like fantasy scene in the bathtub with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez where she nah, threw me from uh, she's like <laughs> Yeah. So, that was that was added because they wanted to show that they were like that she was thinking about him, and even though in the book they do talk about how like they're thinking about each other, but they wanted like uh, an actual like representation of it. But they did say when they screened it that some people were like, "Why is this happening now? Like that's not realistic." And they're like, oh wait, it's just a <laughs> it's just a dream. It's just Which, a dream. I'll admit, it's not my favorite. <laughs> I feel like maybe at the time this wasn't the case, but certainly now, years and years later, I feel like we've seen so many like fake yeah. fake outs via dream sequence that like it kind of felt forced to me but again thinking of the context of the movie not we can't really hold right. it against that but i was like ah damn it they got they got me though at least i have a perspective <laughs> it worked i was like oh okay yeah yeah it, i mean i get the point too that they're trying to show that like oh like she exactly can't get, like him out of her head mm-hmm. and i love that and i love that Cuts like you were talking to her in your sleeve, and her father's the one that's telling her, and she's probably like, "Oh shit, what did I say?" <laughs> I say, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I oh, I also love the even though it's only a few scenes. I love the relationship between her and this Farina who plays her dad. It's like a he has some really really good moments with her. The scene with Michael Keaton who's playing his character in, from Jackie Brown. How good? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so. It's so well. I mean, because Ray Nicolette is actually in both books, in both Elmore Leonard books. He's in Jackie Brown, and the character is also in Out of Sight. And Steven Soderbergh said that he actually talked to Tarantino about uh-huh. using him, and that Tarantino said, "I think that's a good idea." And then he said that Tarantino actually let him look at all the footage of Michael Keaton from Jackie Brown to make sure that the version of the character they were using for that scene would work in Out of Sight. Okay. So he had. Yes, yeah. So he had like a lot of approval from Tarantino, and and he was like, you know, I'm glad it didn't come off cheesy. Like you know, Michael Keaton doesn't really dominate the scene. Like, oh, look at me, I'm that guy from that other movie. You no, know? not at all. <laughs> if not, you wouldn't even know, really. Right. It's just a nice little Easter egg for you know fans of the book, and then fans Tarantino of like Jackie fans? Brown. And, yeah, exactly. And you know, all that too. Yeah, in his universe, which is kind of cool. He's a few movies that uh, that he hasn't made that. Technically, if you want to consider the Tarantino verse tie in, like think of Shaft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like yeah, that. I let me. I, and of course, I mean, Michael Keaton is always a welcome presence in anything. What are they We're 98 for him. He had Dad, Desperate Measures, and Jack Frost. Shit. That was all he did that all in 98. <laughs> and funny, oh, was cool. good God. <laughs> oh, no. This was like a weird. This okay. This was a weird time period for Michael Keaton because like yeah, he was falling off. I mean, he was in. Jackie, yeah, he was like in Jackie Brown, so he's in the Tarantino movie. But then he's also definitely falling off. <laughs> what a weird True that. period for him. However, I will die on this hill. I actually don't mind Jack Frost. I think it's okay. I think we're gonna say you like so, White Noise. I was like, oh no, I, I like no. I love about White Noise is the trailer, which was great. I don't know if you remember the trailer when that movie came out. Yeah, oh, it had I had mean, a really good, a really good trailer that fooled everyone into thinking it was gonna be a good movie. What's not to be? Is that a, is <laughs> that a horror? horror? I'm not familiar. Yeah, it's a I horror movie. I remember, yeah, I think it's, I remember the trailer. It's a, it's it's a January seen. dump. Um, yeah, it, it, trend it, it, it goes it, that far it, back. It, yeah, it goes that far back. It made money too, just because probably that trailer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, that's and funny. Michael Keaton Definitely. Is yeah, he's the yeah. Movie. What the it was, fuck? It was it was a rough time for Michael Keaton. <laughs> okay, I guess so. Yeah, he started making his comeback. Like in props, he was. Yes. No, no, in 2010, I said it was when he started making his comeback because he, he he had the other guys that he was in Toy Story 3. Dude, and they know that's fucking hilarious, the other guys. Oh, yeah, all the TLC songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that's funny because I can't think of anything from the 2000s with Michael Keaton. It was rough. That was uh, just... It uh, was bad, dude. It was not good. <laughs> praise whoever did that White Noise trailer. I only remember watching it in my youth, and all these years later, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So congrats. Praise be to whoever made that <laughs> Funny that it's... I, know, right? I would never would have guessed that. That's awesome. Love that guy to death. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for Birdman, man. Resurrecting... <laughs> that, uh, was it. that was it. That was it. Perfect. Resurrecting that career. Born to play um, a question, D. Uh, you're a yeah, yeah. Katie Holmes fan. Did you watch first uh, okay. theaters? No, man, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I mean, I know, I know. It seems like I would have seen first daughter in theaters. I, I do love me some Katie Holmes. The- Keaton, about yeah, Michael Keaton plays the president. In that. Yeah, I. That was another bad, bad two thousands movie for him. I, I saw a lot of. I saw I saw a lot of crap with her in it, like teaching Mrs. Tingle back in the day. I, I, I saw it. a lot of stuff with her in it. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Jackson, you mentioned like. Ding rings and stuff too. Uh, what did you think of uh, him and George Clooney's like kind of 
chemistry relationship in this. I thought they were really good. I love Ving Rhames. I was thinking this movie got me thinking about Ving Rhames. And actually, a little fun fact: he is now in the last two movies that I've seen because I I rewatched Mission Impossible: (laughs) Fallout yesterday. And yeah, that's funny. (laughs) He's coming off a couple Mission Impossible where he doesn't have much to do, and then he gets a big role. He's in Rogue Nation a lot more than he's in Ghost Protocol. Then he has a really hefty (laughs) role in Fallout. Other yeah. than those, and again, those movies have huge casts. He, even though he has a bigger role, he's not by any right. means a lead. I wouldn't say in those movies. I haven't seen really a Ving Rhames role where I would consider him like a lead or see him do much. I guess like Marcellus Wallace obviously comes to mind for Pulp Fiction, but again, another massive cast, bunch of different characters. Well, who's this now? <laughs> he did a TV movie, but he played Don King. That's probably like the only time I remember him being okay. the lead. Oh, and Undisputed with yeah. Wesley Snipes. Okay, so those, yeah, those yeah, yeah. Year. Yeah, mark those ones down. But man, I love that guy. Ving Rhames is super charismatic. Thought his chemistry with George Clooney was super authentic. Like they swing together great, even though a lot of their relationship is just kind of mentioned in dialogue. You don't see a lot of it. You really believe in their relationship. Right. And yeah, I thought he was a really good presence. I, you know, like to see my guy Ving Rhames in anything. He was fantastic. Yeah. What about you, Mark? What did you think of their dynamic in this? Oh, I love I loved it. Like to me, well, I mean, it's, I mean, I'll say he's better than J Lo in this movie. I love J Lo in the movie, but gets a lot of good scenes op- opposite Clooney. Like, yes, he does. Like, I guess, like I said, obviously he's the third most important character. But I just, I just, I love, like I said, I love Ben Reigns. So it's just, I don't know, it's, it's it's such a great role. Like, I love, I love that the ending. He's, I mean, always yeah. morning stuff. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, maybe twenty five years. <laughs> The one that the diamonds. I love. I know. That. I like that too. I was like, yeah. oh boy. Like I, I'm like I'd rather yeah. have a freaking Louis Guzman. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm saying, oh, I'm oh, like, man. the character would have been bad if he would have ended up with it. So yeah, yeah. I um, uh, you know, it's good that he ends up with it because he. I mean, if you're gonna have a moral a compass, a moral compass as a thief. I mean, like when you hear that story from Catholic Keener about how they got caught because mm. he called his sister and then like the sister is the one that kind of ratted him out like he has he feels guilty like, like really about about what yeah. they're doing so i it is best that he is the one that ends up with the stuff compared to you know anyone else like you said you would not want it to be louis, louis at all or, steve zahn. or any other RZ, RZ. well is it, is it, the interesting thing about steve zahn is i love how he's introduced well he's he's pretty I guess like a pothead, dumb. He's dumb and like yes. really flighty. But I like how like they introduce him kind of like almost like comic relief. And then Steve Zahn does this thing where he plays it really well when he's with Don Cheadle and the rest of them. And he sees how real shit is getting. Mm. And it's become very serious now for him where he's like scared. Like he's completely frightened by what's going on. And he's like, I don't want to be like involved in this anymore. Right. Like I think Steve Zahn plays that really well, but he's also pretty fucking funny i've always loved steve's on i, I think this is like had the first thing I've, i think it was the only it was the first thing i've saw him in that i can think of yeah, yeah yeah i think you do before this oh yeah he's in that. yeah yeah he's in that i forgot <laughs> i didn't see that before this forgot uh, but yeah yeah he's so, he, besides um <laughs> i'm just saying like besides, like, besides the song besides the actual the song, song he's like, <laughs> i am spartacus oh yeah that's it but yeah he, he was hilarious in the movie I thought he was really good. But I yeah. completely agreed. Captain Keener is another role who I thought, I mean, granted, it's a small one, but I really enjoyed her in this. And she's 
I bet you you guys could rattle off some stuff she'd been in that I've seen, but like nothing comes to mind. I know I've seen her in roles before, probably more of her recent stuff. And I've never yeah. like she. I don't know what it is. She just doesn't do it for me. But thought she was great as Adele in this movie. You would have recognized her from Get Out. Get Out with Forty Old Virgins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. Okay, she's good in Get Out. Okay, I think yeah, that she's, she's good in Forty Old Virgins. I haven't seen. I've seen like the first half. I can't really count it. Dude, I know there's too many movies. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> I love. She's really good. <laughs> she's really good in this. Like you said, it's a smaller part and it's not really a lot to do, but she does the most with what From she's the given. The first phone call she takes with George. The first phone call she's is great. Yeah. Charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I love the scene when, like, you know, she's talking to Jennifer Lopez, and they're basically Jennifer Lopez is trying to learn about Jack from her, <laughs> and. And then, of course, Luis Guzman's character, Chino, comes to the house. And that scene is just, you no, know, like, it's kind of like a stereotype way, way he's acting and talking. But it's just, like, it's just really funny the way it kind of plays out. Yes. And he's, like, trying to, he's trying to be all calm and nice at first. He's like, I help, he's like, I help you Jack get out of prison. And he's, like, getting all, like, frustrated. He's like, open the fucking door. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and like, then, like, Chino just lays him out. <laughs> Actually, one of two major layouts by her. Because the scene with her and Isaiah Washington where he's talking about Tuffy and then basically talking about the dog being a bitch and basically calling her a bitch right. and said that like, you know, every bitch needs a bone. And he's like basically saying that to her. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love one that Jennifer Lopez is so good in that scene that she doesn't really say anything until the end. She's just staring at him and yeah. he's just saying all this stuff to her, like degrading her. And she's just looking at him like unfazed. And he's like basically asked her if she wants it. And she's like, Oh, you're not my type. And yeah. he basically says the whole thing about, you know, we wanted to tussle, and then she just lays him out there, too. And with it, the it's baton, just, man. Which, with the baton. Good, dude. Oh, <laughs> but another solid, you know, moment yes. for her in the movie, I thought. And I think I watched it and just looks <laughs> ridiculous in the movie, but he's also pretty, <laughs> pretty good, too. And it also plays off of Don Cheadle really well. Dude, at the time, so I, I always blank about Don. At the time, what did Don Cheadle do before this murder i think the the one that i mean since you were especially where you were like you were 14 right when this came out yeah yeah yeah. i think maybe maybe you would have known him from devil in the blue dress remember he he played he played on um, oh it's Denzel washington yeah 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 they, the golden girl spinoff remember when they when they ran the oh golden palace golden palace or yeah, yeah, yeah you say girl golden girls spinoff yeah yeah they tried they tried man oh <laughs> what yeah. the hell yeah everybody has to be out there they ran a hotel and he was like one of the <laughs> yeah so this would so this would have been like kind of like a big significant part for him at the time I then mean, i mean it turned out pretty good remember he was in traffic he was in the oceans movie yeah so right I, yeah so <laughs> yeah i talked about that's true i talked about george clooney's long time collaboration with steven soderbergh but so did don Cheadle. that's right don Cheadle worked don Cheadle worked with him a lot after this he's great he plays that part so well apparently they said that he ad-libbed a lot of lines and Wait, they just so, kind of yes. let him just kind of let him because there's there's like a thing right where it's so funny listening to like white screenwriters talk about black dialogue yep because yes, yes, yes. they'll, they'll be like because they'll be like it's written a certain way and then like sometimes you just have an actor just like yo I yo i can make it better hour that's not how we would say it <laughs> and then like and they're like okay well how would you say it and then like they're like hey, how they would say it is much better than how we wrote it so go for it and i guess that was like, that was a lot of the case with like Cheadle, Don Cheadle changed a lot of lines, and you know, base there was basic stuff that was written that he just kind of tweaked. But like, you know, I would say it this way, and yeah, and you you actually can tell that in some of the scenes that he is kind of just riffing and having. It looks like he had a really fun time playing that part. 
<laughs> like it's a really like fun role for him in general. I thought he was really good. And then also uh, not in it a lot, but Albert Brooks still makes an impression too. Not in it uh, at all. I was waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> with, eventually with a full on toupee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that show always cracks me up when I watch the movie. I'm like, homies hair different hairdos and stuff like i'm like <laughs> so it's so and it's such a different part from the movies he played in the 80s like broadcast news and um modern yeah. modern, modern romance like it's, it's, it's a, it was a good part for him it's like pretty much a precursor to what he did in drive us have been driving yeah. way more ruthless but it was nice to see him try to be more than just another version of the jewish woody allen yeah that's it's also interesting too like what i kind of love i think soderbergh does this a lot is he gets people together that you would not normally I think see in a movie <laughs> together at all. It's like it's a very unique kind of casting, and it's always like really cool to see totally. that like he kind of like you know it's kind of mishmash of like lead, you know leading ladies and men and like character actors, and it just kind of just works. You can tell like you know he brings the best out of the people he works with too. It seems like uh, I know I just really I really enjoy him as a filmmaker, and it's interesting because I didn't. I saw Sex Lives and Videotape way late. I saw it after a lot of these movies because yeah, I didn't really know much about his. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know much about his like early career at all uh, until I started seeing some of these movies. And he is a very unique filmmaker. You know, he tries a lot of things, which I appreciate. <laughs> they don't always work. They don't always work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll just like, yeah, like let's just do that. Let's just shoot an iPhone. Uh, but I mean, I just I respect any director that takes chances and i love like hearing about this story too because he almost didn't direct this movie he kind of they wanted barry sonnenfeld at first because he had Ooh. done get shorty which was adapted from another elmore little novel scott frank frank wrote it too at, yeah scott frank wrote that too and then uh yeah and then barry sonnenfeld was busy doing men in black so he couldn't do it and um and then steven soderbergh was like all right we'll be the one to do it not realizing that it was going to be like a huge turning point for his career, though, moving really? forward to because, you know, like, like I said, it wasn't hugely commercially successful, but I think it just showed what he could do with a movie like this and with the right people and, you know, the right, you know, right actors, right actresses, you know, the right writers. He could he accomplish a lot. And he definitely did. in the years after this, too, in a big way, uh, you know, he's the. You know, this kind of started that for him, but to think that he almost didn't do it or almost didn't get to do it is kind of crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone else doing it. At this no, point. <laughs> wouldn't be the same movie, no. At all whatsoever. And I mentioned I mentioned this too, just talking about other people that pop up in this movie because Viola Davis pops up in here. Her first, first scene. Yeah, first this movie. Is her first like, role? First movie, first movie, movie, first okay. movie. She was yeah. she a stage actress? Yeah, that and she had been like on TV shows like Law and Order, New York. TV show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know that. She was, she was like, she is so crazy to uh, see where she is now because she really was just popping up, like you said, on episodes of like Law and Order. You were going to cover 50 Cent's grandmother. grandmother, I always forget. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was doing stuff like that. And then finally, you know, she does doubt and she has like, you know, she kills it and she kills it in doubt with like two scenes, but they, and gets nominated for an Oscar though, but it's two very pivotal, crucial scenes. And that is what, and that is what's pushed her. And then, of course, she gets to help, after, you know, soon after that. And she gets nominated for that. And, you know, now she 
is who we know her as now but like she was wow you know and i was like talking to jackson offline when i was telling him about listening to the audio commentary and they were just like mentioning her like oh here's this like fine actress viola davis like they don't you tell like this was recorded in 98 and they had you know of course no idea where she was gonna go <laughs> right after this but it is so crazy to see like all the like the kind of talent that is here and like where it kind of went uh, <laughs> it eventually all over the place in this movie like completely all over the place yeah it's like amazing to watch even from like the smallest parts like, like they really filled it out with like some really uh great talent uh so Merck, i know you said the the scene in the bar is like your favorite it's your favorite scene but is there any other ones that like stand out to you like the most that you really enjoy i like i like i also like um the the scene where we get albert brooks and in, in the in the in the prison library I like oh, yeah because it sets up a lot of like the tension and like like the chemistry between them and i'm also a very big fan of the ending because it's just it's just a lot of fun everything's going wrong but you see i say it watch it ends <laughs> up with nancy allen in bed it's like, oh yeah and i always forget that nancy allen is in the in the movie i'm like oh there she is she gets a moment to shine yeah, like, I love this too. Just, like <laughs> going on like it's like they escape but he goes back in and you even the first time you knew you're like yeah he's this is not gonna end well you like when you're pretty much getting over with a heist if you go back yeah he's gonna either end up dead or in jail yeah yeah and yeah it's not gonna end well either way dude i i always forget this every time i watch it but when fucking white boy bob <laughs> runs up the stairs <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and he shoots himself in the head because he like trips on the step i always forget about it i was like oh and, and like i feel like the audience has the same reaction as george could when he's just like oh <laughs> he doesn't even know what to do <laughs> oh shit i expect the falk and they do a couple good like blink if you miss it like shot yeah see you see him fall a couple times in the movie so when it was coming, I'm like, okay, like I know George isn't going out by white boy Bob, so what's gonna happen? <laughs> so like, I kind of got the feelings that like that would happen, and yeah, no, it definitely threw me for a loop though. But <laughs> oh man, it's white hilarious. Boy, white boys named Robin Guns because even Cheddar Bob and Amos choose himself. Yeah, so it's right. like, it's like yes. oh, it does not end well for no. white boys <laughs> at all. <laughs> Lessons we can learn from these those two movies. That's hilarious. Yeah, I also <laughs> I also love when they're looking in the in the house and poor white boy Rob pulls out like the the condoms. And he's like, "Oh, look what I found!" <laughs> he's like, "Hey, he's like, money gonna be you know money gonna be in the mattress, motherfucker." <laughs> gets all like angry about it, <laughs> like such a you know. I love it like in movies like that where of course there you know there has to be some tension with involving like the job or the heist or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the levity that they use for some of the scenes towards the end, it works though. Like some of the dialogue works. Like it's just the way they deliver it, where like the mm-hmm. humor isn't like forced. It's just just enough. Like the situation itself is just wacky uh, in general. And they actually do this a few times in the movie. Like when they are at that, they're trying to leave that hotel or that they're at, and the old and the old lady gets on. Oh yeah, and then oh, she's like. <laughs> yeah, and she's just like too pleased, and then Van Rains looks at her like, "Why the fuck can't she push the button?" <laughs> and then when she's finally on their floor, she's just standing there. He's like, "Is this your floor, ma'am?" And then she just stands there, like, "It's just your floor, ma'am." Right yeah, and, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, yes. and yeah." He does the wave at the end. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah." It's yeah, like little stuff like that, like that not work. <laughs> George and Van Rains like leaving the hotel during that setup was one of my favorite scenes too. Starting like with when she's waiting in the lobby she comes in with her team and yeah. she kind of gets relegated to waiting watching the elevator and then they go in it and they see each other and from then on the tension starts to mount and that was among if you mark i'm with you like that bar scene was definitely one of my favorites if not my favorite but that hotel exfil scene too i really liked as well 
Yeah, she does. They both do a lot with just looks in that scene. Mm. I think are really good. Yes. Yeah, where like he sees her and she sees him, and the whole like she's about to radio it in, and he kind of gives her like the wave, like like almost like a please don't, <laughs> like no, yeah. no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> like, but yeah, want to see me again? Right. Yeah. Then I love that when they leave in the car and they do the loop around, and she's still sitting there, kind of like transfixed by what she just saw like she can't believe like i don't know if she can't believe that she just saw it or she can't believe she let him go or like what's going on like she's conveying like a lot by yeah, just like, like a look she realizes like how much she likes him because like she's, she's literally yeah. compromising her integrity and what she worked for her whole career for she's like i am compromising my whole job which is interesting too because like by the way this is like you know it's a book so like this is what the character this is how this is set up in the book this is what the character is going to do i have a girlfriend though that doesn't like the movie because they hate that she compromises her career. I can uh, that's what make, for that's what make <laughs> for for a for a for a man, let alone a man who who is like let alone a man who's like not on the up and up. Like he's like a, a crook. And you know, this is someone that has I, I'm not gonna this is someone that has like strong feelings about stuff like that, this friend. <laughs> so like when yes. she watched the movie, she was like she watched the movie and she's like, I couldn't ignore that. She's like, I don't understand like why she would this it's woman who's in this position of like be in this position that she is in would do this. And like I like I said in the beginning, though, I feel like they kind of set it up with how she her kind of complicated relationship with men in general. You only you only have one scene really where they discuss it before she meets yes. George Cudi's character, but it seemed like she has uh, you know, she's Got a complicated love life, and her, I her think dad it makes says, says some line, delivers some lines that kind of indicate because it's not only Ray Nicolette that I think is alluded to in her in her like love life. Yeah. So I think he does a good job yeah. of kind of painting the picture of what her relationship with men is like. But just to the point of your friend, I definitely understand and was curious when I was watching this movie. I I doubt this movie like has aged well from a feminist perspective. Like I feel like they would have a field day with this kind of plot, and I understand, but it makes for good movie watching. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does make for good movie watching. I agree with you, but I can see that angle. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I would never take anyone's like feelings like that away from them. They no, felt like you know, right? Is they really? I mean, I guess it's hard for me to because it's you know it was a book you know it was written already, and that's how it was yeah, written. And that's what it is, that's right? And exactly. that's how, the, and that's what the character did. But I can't see being especially like modern day watching it <laughs> being like this is yeah. like doesn't ring this ring kind of true now like i don't think this really kind of that's mm. well <laughs> i got i got a question for both of you one and like you know no pressure because i don't know it's not exactly related to the movie but more jennifer lopez's character's profession i as a canadian i have no idea what a u.s marshal does or what agency they work for do you guys have any insight on that because i've been dying she, she would know more than me i like i know it's some type of government age, like a right type of like police type of person but i don't i can't i don't know exactly what it is i just googled it <laughs> so okay I, yeah, no I could have so easily done it too i was gonna give you a real answer uh the it's, movie the the well, movie. <laughs> oh no, all US US Marshals. Uh, it's a federal. <laughs> yeah, I would use that. It's a federal law enforcement agency in the United States. USMS is a bureau within the US Department of Justice operating under the direction of the Attorney General, but serves as the enforcement arm of the US federal courts to ensure the effective operation of the judiciary and integrity of the Constitution. Oh. Then there's other, there's other levels of it too, as well. So the US um, Marshal Services is the agency? Yeah. Is that what you said? Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I know we got our boys in Shutter Island or Marshalls too. That's just the only other example. I can <laughs> oh, think that's of right. on the yeah. top of my head, but I was like, okay, what the hell do they do though? Okay. Interesting. This might this might feel wrong to ask after I just did the whole like 
the whole female question. But I, because I buy her as it. Do you buy her as a uh, as a federal marshal in this? Like, do you really? Do you think that Jennifer Lopez conveyed like believable? But believable, yeah, yeah. A little bit, which is why I say oh, we, that oh, we got some, we got some, we got some pause. Which, <laughs> which is why I like because if it had, if it had just been a movie which was like a female U.S. marshal chasing after a male bank robbing group, it would have felt as believable. But with the conflict, it's like you know, it, it adds to it because it would have, you know, especially in the they would have like, oh. Ain't no way that George Clooney is gonna get caught by a woman by herself. So the, you know, <laughs> so so the, the sexual conflict it adds to. It no, like, I agree. It would have felt like too much. How many? You know how many movies in the nineties were cop going after escape convict? That's such a common thing. The yeah. fugitive, one of my favorites. Like, this is yeah, a perfect yeah. example. Yeah, um, you're right. I, the cold, like, oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Jackson. What do you think? Um, Sorry. I I do like. You no, know what surprise? I don't think that. I think movies that would tackle this like more like I'd say like just arbitrarily going to pick a time like 2015 onwards do a way poorer job of portraying this sort of like dynamic. I think at the time this movie was made, the way Jennifer Lopez portrays it, I think it was actually very believable. Like there's like like you mentioned, there's a couple instances where she has to be physical, uses her force, but I think the the script does it smartly. Like not to say that she wouldn't be capable on her own, but I mean, definitely more believable. She's taken down these guys with weapons. She's not like, you know, I feel like we see this a lot, definitely in like some Marvel movies. You see like, she's, I think they actually like mentioned her weight in this movie as being like a buck 10. She's not like kicking a bunch of dudes ass, right? We're in real life. If you're going for any sorts of realism, like this is not going to be the same. So I think right. what they do give her to do, like physicality wise, she does does it very convincingly, and they're not making yeah. her whip a bunch of guys' ass the whole movie. So yeah, very believe. And beyond that, just like her confidence in her role in this movie, like went a long way for like law enforcement. I thought she portrayed it very well. I'll give her credit for that. Any day of the week, really like. Yeah, her role. I I agree. I think she. I think back when this was going on, when like Jennifer Lopez first made it big. Within like her first three movies that being like well first three movies that like kind of made her a star because she was in stuff before selena but okay. like selena anaconda and this a lot of critics just talked about how natural she was how charismatic she was like she received yeah. a lot of she received a lot of great critical notices early in her career which is why i mean i guess this is a good time to talk about it which is why it's so frustrating to kind of see her not always deliver on that promise because mm-hmm. like you can see what she's capable of doing in something like this even saw it like more, you know, more recently in something like Hustlers. Like when she did that, I was like, all right, that's a return to form. That's exactly what you were like known for, like back when you were doing Out of Sight. Like, you know, this right. it's a completely commanding performance. She commands the screen. Like you pay attention only to her. It's, you know, it's she. And I really hope that after she did Hustlers and, you know, she, was she got, she got some Oscar, but yeah, she, that's the crazy part. Marry me a shotgun wedding. She did marry me in shotgun wedding right after Hustler. So like I was like, you had I mean, maybe maybe she was butthurt she didn't get that Oscar nomination. And she was like, fuck y'all, because she was she was she, she was, was supposed to. I mean, like she was she was supposed to. She, like she was nominated for almost everything else up until the Oscars and they shut her out. Uh, I I loved her that year. I really was like, she's she's gonna get nominated, and I was like, she's gonna win, and then she get nominated <laughs> at all. And overall, have you seen the documentary that Netflix did halftime? Oh yeah, I did watch it. And yeah, I mean, she kind of got sucked it, into that hype too. Yeah, she she was super butter because it's like she was. It's like she, like you said, she was nominated for everything. Like I thought, her and Laura Dern were the were the most secure things, and then Florence Pugh that and, year, yeah, Scarlett Johansson. But I thought I'm like 
to me, she should have won. It should have been either her or or Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. I don't. I I thought Laura Dern was doing what she did in Big Little Lies. It was nothing impressive to me. <laughs> yeah, she really was. I mean, it's, it's good. It is, but she but it's the same character from Big Little Lies. But yeah, you're right. That's funny. That's dead on. But yeah, like Jennifer Lopez. And again, I can't blame any actor for, I don't know how you can ignore like kind of like all the Oscar buzz that's surrounding you leading up to that, where they're like, oh yeah, you're definitely going to get nominated. They start kind of catering to you. They The studio pushes you for that award where they think you're going to get it. And like I said, she got a Golden Globe nomination. She got a SAG nomination. She picked up a few like kind of like your critics, all that stuff kind of. Damn. Oh, yeah. So like she did when she did Hustlers, like it was like, all right, she's about to finally get her due. And then like she didn't even get nominated. And if you were to read some of those, I Jackson, like when you first got on, I told you about those like anonymous like Oscar things that they like the Hollywood <laughs> Reporter and stuff post. Right. The one the one when Hustlers came out was basically like, well, yeah, she's fantastic in the movie, but like we can't give it to a film that's about strippers and stripping. And like, but that isn't really what the movie was about. I mean, there's more to it than that, but of course that's there's so good. Of, there's a bunch of stuffy older like Oscar people that are like, no, we can't. Yeah. So like they they didn't even like do that for it right um, that was like adam yeah. Sandler the same year for uncut gems so I'm like oh uncut you know, gems you know, was the same thing yeah. the same year it was like oh you know he you know because you know all the all the happy at madison movies i'm like yeah but you're talking about uncut, i mean uncut gems you couldn't see that movie tell me he wasn't to me he was this my second favorite performance that year after after joaquin phoenix and joker yeah, yeah. Enough, I'll give it and then that. like that was a big snub and then he gave us some absolute shit afterwards like as he, get, he gave a great speech see spirit yeah <laughs> See, I'm convinced that some of these people give you shit because they're like, hey, we try to do something good <laughs> and then you don't give yeah, us the recognition. Yeah, no, so like, that's you know what I said. Because if I don't get nominated, I'm going to do the worst movie you've ever seen me in. And sure enough, yeah. hey, hey, sure enough I, I stand by Huey Halloween. That was his follow up. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Um, well, Jackson, you said that you didn't really have, like, you know, as far as Jennifer Lopez as an actress, you don't really have like a ton of familiarity with her but like but seeing her right. in this like like seeing her in this is it strange to you that like because this is a, is a genuine conversation about her how like sometimes she seems like she doesn't really live up to a lot of the talent she actually she does i think she is a talented actress yeah when yeah. when Thanks she so kind of puts her in this yeah so like it, it it is it strange to you that she hasn't really just done i'm not saying that she always has to do movies like this right but she definitely got sucked into like a cycle of like being in like pretty forgettable right. roles, really like right. easy roles, romantic comedy role. Yeah. And I, yeah, I get it. They made money for her in the beginning and they were successful, but I know I feel like when you have a role like Karen Cisco, you kind of want to take that and kind of do something, not maybe not the same thing, but like you want role that is as strong and as well-written as that. And Definitely. I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. I guess for her down like the line, maybe because she also has, okay. I'm, she does have a music background, right? Was she yeah, a singer yeah. or was she yeah. a, Okay, so she's got she's got some bangers, Burke. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know where you stand. Okay, so someone is a um, her dancing is is really good because she was a fly girl on, on Living Color. On Living Color back in the day, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. like she's a good dancer. She's a great she's a great dancer. No, that's what, she's a great performer, but the sinking is okay. That's why she's fun to watch and she has a residency in Vegas or had one before. Because like she's a very she's a she's a performer, the songs are whatever, but like she's good to see live because just the, the way she I mean she's she's Puerto Rican she that Spanish oh, yeah, spice is like she just yeah. is incredible plus the body she's definitely and she's, she's, she's also is. definitely a she's definitely a pop star too like she oh, I mean she, it's she more got his. She got his. it's 
It's more performance based than like, oh, she's got a great voice. So I agree on that. She's an it's like it's like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's like it's like it's like a Britney Spears in her heyday. Like kind of like, oh, right, you just want you like you enjoy them because like, oh, they're good performers and like they make catchy music. But and you know, it's, it's interesting that Merck brings up her music career because I kind of feel like once she started doing both, that is when her movie career kind of like took a she started just not choosing challenging stuff. Yep. And like it just yeah. didn't seem like yeah, it's Seemed like that's when it started for me, at least. I she did less of this, right? Because I wasn't so much around for the beginning of her career. I can't say that I'm surprised that her like her acting career at least went the way it has. I would say I'm more like this is kind of what I was expected from like people that had like this singing and dancing background that broke into movies. I don't know what she began with first, but I feel like her career in terms of like the roles that she's chosen. This is kind of what I would expect for someone that kind of came into the industry with that music and dancing background more than someone that came in as a, an actor or a thespian before. Because I'm sure that she was right. a very busy woman in the 2000s and the 2010s, like balancing a lot of different hats. And so, you know, you oh, she was, yeah. All that work yeah. and decision making into what roles you're going to take. But still, I'm sure she had fun making movies and wanted to be an actress. And so I feel like that must have something to do with the roles that she took. But I'm more like surprised that she had this sort of performance in her just based on what I had seen from her before. And it was understandable. Surprise. Yeah. See what I'm saying? I don't yeah, know. No, that's perfectly understandable. Like, thought that she would like be this talented, but like had a blast watching in this movie. I'm because I'm going through her filmography right now. And like, I recognize, of course, many of these movies she's been in. Yeah, like, you just only seen one, yeah only one I'd seen yeah. like, was The Boy Next Door from like 2015. I'm not like, <laughs> <laughs> like that one. <laughs> So that's what I have to go off of. So I was surprised at how much I enjoyed her in this movie. I, I love it with that one. Sorry. It was fucking bad. I don't see it with my high school girlfriend. But like, nothing. No, it's not good. Like, one that I think Jackson would like because you, you tend to love sci-fi is actually The Cell. I saw. That. Oh, you might I like The Cell. Like, haven't seen yeah. the movie, but see this in her filmography. I'm like, yeah, because familiar. Yeah, because you're because you're you're big into sci-fi. I think that I am, would be better than than, than than her romantic comedy for sure. It's that's her really. This, yeah, I hate rom coms for the most part, dude. So yeah, that <laughs> the, would not yeah, be it for me. The good the good thing about the cell is that it's early enough in her career where it's still like around this time ish at least, okay. and she was and she was still taking risk, and that that is probably one of the most unique like serial killer thrillers I've ever seen because it, it does it mixes that with a little bit of sci-fi. And okay, it's so. a really interesting. It's a really interesting movie. Probably, right. Also, I think another movie. I think that it it did moderately well when it came out, but I think over time, like more people have discovered it and appreciated it a bit more now than they did then. Uh, and, and really good cast too. Uh, this is not feel bit. Yeah. Okay, that's what um, I down. Thank you, Merck. I feel you on that with uh, like because I think like Selena kind of showed that even though she doesn't sing in Selena, she's lip syncing to Selena stuff. Yeah, it, it kind of showed that she was. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of showed that she could be a triple threat. Like she was a performer. Like she knew how to work a crowd already, and that was like early in her career too. Uh, um, and you know, this I think was a surprise. I think it surprised a lot of people because like there was no indication. I mean, you can see something like Selena, and that doesn't really translate to what she does yeah. out of sight at all, right? And and the fact that she was, you know, chosen over bigger names than her at the time uh, to be in it by Steven Soderbergh, because, you know, the chemistry is what kind of counted here above all else. And uh, I try to look up if her and George Clooney have said any positive things. About I've never heard them talk about each other in regards to this movie. Really? And I, tr- and I try to look oh. it up to see if they're. I don't think there's anything bad or anything, but I've never heard them talk about like what it was like working together or anything like that. If anyone, Mark, did you heard anything 
No, I just in I mean, regards I, to I that, know that, I know I know that she's very proud of the movie. You know, because like she, because she did one of those like GQ career time like things, and I know she spoke very uh-huh. positively about it. She said that Clooney was like a like a professional gentleman, but like besides that, I haven't really heard her speak much about like the work experience. I mean, it had to be good because they would like, collab yeah. other things right afterwards. No, they they never did. they never collaborated. No, they never they never they never worked together again after this. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Ticket of Paradise and Intolerable Cruelties are probably the only rom coms that. Oh, and One Fine Day, only only rom coms that Clooney has done like that. George Clooney Matt, has done. Matt, yeah, he he doesn't sing some Matthew McConaughey level rom coms. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's interesting to think that like they really kind of ignited here, like the really lit up the screen here, and like it is crazy when people like that have that connection in the film, and then they don't work yeah. together at all again. Crazy. Like they don't cross paths again like sure that. They had, I was gonna bet, but yeah, which is so crazy. Yeah, but yeah, I'm glad that uh, I did. I did hear that she is very proud of the movie, and she was aware that like the movie did not do as well as they wanted it to when it came out. But she said that like that you want to tackle that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Sort of bring it up. Well, what do you think the reason why it didn't? No, hit? but Soder, Soderbergh has mentioned it, and it does make sense. The movie was released it was June twenty fifth, right? Twenty sixth. So, like, yeah, like it's in like, the part and, of summer. <laughs> and and this is a movie that should have been like an, a November October release. This is a crime thriller with some like caper high stuff. Like that's not a right, right, black, right. but especially in nineteen ninety eight when you know it was the era of Arnold and Nicholas Cage and his action face with Face Off, The Rock, and all that stuff. It's like Private Ryan. Like, yeah, like you, it's Comes the same, same same summer. Like Armag- Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does this fit in that release schedule? Listen, you don't want it out of sight. Yeah, like, this, this is a summer movie. Like, no, this should have been a movie released around October, November, and for Oscar season. So that that's that's what Soderbergh has always said. It was just it was jam packed. I believe it was because I know Private Ryan had an anniversary last month, so it could even been the same day. Not even too sure. Maybe one of y'all can look. I That's think interesting. I think, I'm looking at which, which movie. Let's see. That being said, Prime Ryan was released June oh. 26 as well. I think, if I'm not mistaken, or around that, it was the same. It was June 20 something. Okay, okay. But then you know, Armageddon was just a huge box summer. office. Box yeah, office yeah, measures and shit, real quick. You guys keep on. That's, that's, <laughs> definitely, that's definitely that's definitely the biggest reason why I failed. It's like this is not what you think of when you think of a summer blockbuster. No, no. You know, this is '98 back when like summer blockbusters actually meant like people would go to theaters. People would go to theaters just they knew a trailer was attached. Like I remember my brother telling me that he went to see a movie just because the Phantom Menace trailer was attached to it. That he left right. He didn't even watch. The movie. <laughs> Like, you watch the rest of that crazy to think <laughs> that about. That's commitment. I don't think that you was... get that kind of dedication out of today's audience. It's not at all. We get it on YouTube and stuff. That's but there that, you that, go. That exactly. Was, that was the era. So it's like nobody's gonna be like, oh yeah. Especially the fact that George Clooney was coming off Batman and Robin, which killed the franchise. Which George Clooney even says it straight up. He apologized. I'm sorry for killing. The I Batman killed the franchise. <laughs> so it's like, he's coming off that, and you really think people are gonna want to see another summer blockbuster with him? Like, no. It, it should have released it around. Around October, November for Oscar season, it would have, it would have been a huge hit, but it would have not bombed. Like you can't put that against Armageddon. I wonder Ryan why the studio was so confident releasing it when they did, because you're totally right. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be competing with any of those. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Universal did that too. It doesn't feel like a summer movie. I mean, I guess like, I, like, yeah, I can't even. It does feel more like November, even December release that you I'm would position fine. for like award, yeah. like you would position for like award season too, because it feels like okay. This could sneak in and like as it did, it got like a best adapted yeah. screenplay nomination and best editing nomination too. But possibly could have gotten more if it had been like released in the prime 
time. I mean, I'm guessing like it could have, it probably could have killed it at the Golden Globes if it was a release around November, December. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that yeah. So the weekend that Out of Sight opened, SI opened in fourth place, twelve million dollar opening weekend. The number one movie in America was Doctor Doolittle. Uh, follow up. <laughs> great concept programming. That was a huge. Movie. Yeah. Uh, second place was Mulan in its second weekend. Also in its second weekend, in third place was the X Files movie. And then rounding out. And then rounding out the top five was the Truman Show in its fourth weekend. Wow. Okay. Damn, and poor Kid Harley waits up there in ninth place already, about to get kicked out of the theater. About to get kicked out of theaters as soon after that. was was the week before or the week I mean the week after? I think it might be a week after. But still, I mean like so because like what else is like released around that time too is Deep Impact is still in theaters around this time. Well, of course, uh, remember, they were... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to look up when Sammy probably ranked. Yeah, it makes... July 24th, my bad. I, I knew it was 27th. So, I thought it was June 24th. Okay. okay. It still makes no sense, though. I mean, interesting, though, because, like, because Jackson releasing it on in June of the summer movie season from a studio like Universal shows that they were confident in it, I guess, to right. release it in a crowded marketplace like that. Doesn't seem smart either, but I mean, maybe they really felt it could like be it could be counter programming for like adults, but there was like other stuff out, I guess, too that yeah. appealed guess, to like yeah, there's some kid movies out, I guess, or kid oriented. And then like I mean, like you saw the Truman Show on that list too. That was also appealing to like an older audience. I mean, it's a different type of movie, but like right, it also been um, a couple weeks at point. And and despite yeah, it's crazy. Despite you know really reviews, it didn't really hit thirty seven million dollars domestically. It's a forty eight million dollar budget. What? And, 48, for the cast, probably. What do you think? Like, not really. Than forty-eight million dollars. Like, they weren't huge names yet, though. Like, yeah, like, that's, that's what I can, think, I can think of, though. Like, no, he was Batman, I guess, a few years before, so that kind of came to mind. But yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's up getting twenty million dollars from was, Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking as a TV actor. He was yeah, yeah he was then. That might have been the big cast, and then maybe maybe just because the locations they shot in a lot of. I'm pretty sure probably shooting in the prison probably took a lot of money because those, okay. those are expensive. They, they, did shoot, they did shoot in real. They did shoot in real prison too. Yeah. Okay. Again, I would have guessed those would be sets. I guess, but okay, fair enough. And George Clooney actually did hang out with some of the prisoners because he was like, I, I guess I love he. Those stories. Yeah, he told Steven Soderbergh, he's like, I can't like go out to my trailer and then come out and try to be a badass in front of all these people. Like, no, <laughs> I have right. to like basically live amongst them, and they all like really enjoyed it. Same thing, I guess with. Don Cheadle and the rest of them too. They were like, uh, they were like, we can't like just be like, okay, we gotta be actors and like go off and like. <laughs> and, and extras <laughs> in the students are actual prisoners too. I read which prisoners is, you know, too. I love when they yeah, that, that's very common. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, money from having to cast like three hundred extras, like yeah, use the real the real prison. Thumbnail. So where's the forty eight million dollars going then? Come on, like yeah, what I'm you guys saying that too? Like surely they didn't all go to filming locations. Like come on, locations maybe. It's not effects heavy at all. Like, I mean, there's a couple of no. stunts and some bolt, like some gun work, but like, I would never have guessed it was anywhere near that ballpark. I would have thought this movie would have made like money. 30. I would have thought it was like 30 minutes of budget. Well, dude, remember, and this is a smaller budget, but remember we were talking about Can't Hardly Wait, and I was like, they made that for 13 million dollars. Like, where'd it go to? I mean, like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's a probably, the, probably the music rights. Yeah, I guess so. 
Because none of those stars were commanding big paychecks, and no, it's like it's pretty much just one place, yeah. Well, pretty much one location. So I was like, "How is that thirteen million dollars?" Yeah, I was surprised by the forty-eight million dollar budget for this too, because sure. like really weren't paying for names then at all. Yeah, and it didn't really have legs either. It dropped like forty-five percent in its second weekend. So it's, I mean, and it's crazy too, because not even like good reviews could uh, basically save it. Because usually, you know, that kind of could lead to like. Decent word of mouth. People like read those reviews. And like, all right, let's go check it out. Now uh, it would have been a hit. People I think it would have. I think it. I think it would have. I think it had legs. Yeah, I think it would have had legs if it was like if that kind of movie was released like now. Yeah, it has a ninety-four percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. Which is yeah, really good. That's just crazy. And most of the reviews cited as a star-making turn for George Clooney, and also a star making turn for miss jennifer lopez and they all comment on their chemistry in the film which is that doesn't work the movie doesn't work at all so there's that (laughs) i'm trying to i'm trying to imagine the other girls that they like sandra bullock it might have been at that time it would have probably been a bigger hit with her because she was she would have been the name like more than clooney because she was a star yeah she was a she was a she was a star at that point because she had done Speed, The Net, While You Were Sleeping, A Time to Kill. She had like hits like right after another. She Practical also did magic. Speed too. Practical oh, Magic. <laughs> she did Speed to Cruise Control, which I love that she. I love that she fully admits was for the money. Like she knew it was bad. <laughs> She's like, they gave me fifteen million after Speed. Yeah, she was like, yeah, she gave me gave me fifteen million dollars. What do you want me to do? <laughs> like, I, I took it. They gave yeah. her fifty million dollars for Speed. Fifteen. It's oh, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, don't see it. And I, I love Sandra Bullock back then. I love Sandra Bullock back then too. And I think she's beautiful even in that era. She's always been like just, you know, she's had, her yeah, movie like, has longevity, longevity. But yep. I think J-Lo is probably yep. more of like the quote unquote sex symbol they maybe they were looking oh, yeah, for sure. for this role. But I, well, I don't think Sandra Bullock definitely would have sold it. It's funny though. They end up, her and George end up reuniting and, and shooting Gravity together. And Gravity together. Yeah. And then they wanted, they wanted Julia Roberts and he, they ended up doing the Oceans movies together. Uh, and cool. And you know what? To be fair, I'm like Julia Roberts is an interesting one too because in the scenes that they share, especially in Ocean's Eleven, they do have solid chemistry in that. Like they play off each yes, other really do. well. Yeah. So I can maybe see that a little bit more than Sandra Bullock, but yeah, I, but I, I just I think by Julia as a U.S. Marshal, like that's. that's <laughs> oh yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> maybe not at that point in career. I also, whoever you could cast George Clooney opposite a mannequin, and there would be natural charisma emanating from both. <laughs> Just can't. He can work for multiple people. You know what I mean? Like, that's no true. I think he can, he uh, can probably bring the most out of a brain. Like, literally, oh. he, he just has a brain, man. It's like he can bring the most out of a, a brick wall, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy that this is like, yo, know, for him, this was really what kind of set him off as like a leading man after this. It finally was, he finally got the right part. He even mentioned that. This movie was incredibly important for him. You know, he's like, it's funny because he mentions that, like, 
because he had a lot of bombs and he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, like this movie was really important. It was the first, he's like, this is the first script I read that was like, you know, it really hit. It was really well. And he's like, it was another miss, like financially, <laughs> but, you know, but still. <laughs> but, the <reviews> were good. <laughs> but the reviews were good and like, it yeah. did a lot for him, uh, you know, he, he uh, in the long run. Sure. He did. He did. Making my mom very upset in the process. <laughs> in the process. I think it made, I think it made everyone because that's <laughs> Was he a lead on EI? I knew that he was. He was. He was a lead. I mean, it, was a, it was an ensemble show, but he was the most popular character probably on that show. You know how it is time. ensemble? It's always like there's always one. Like come on, the dude used to have a Caesar cut. Everybody called him the Clooney because he made it so. Popular. Oh, the Clooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did he say? He had a, a Caesar. The Caesar cut. cut yeah. The, the low cut. And okay. Okay. The, Haircut. The yeah. Consider the Clooney like. Interesting. Yeah, because ER was literally probably one of the top three shows around from like '94 to at least like 2000. Yep. I hear my parents talk about they used to watch yeah, that like, was show when they were dating. Yeah. So like male wise is him, and then it was Julian Margolis from from Good Wife. Those were like they were oh, like, the Good Wife. Yeah. Yeah, they were like the they were like the couple. They were the couple. Yeah. yeah they, their, their their romance was pretty much what what drove this most of the storyline, just like McDreamy and and Meredith and Grey's Anatomy. I see. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then, like, in the years since Outside came out, Steven Soberg says that, he's talking about the film now, he said, I made a very conscious decision on my part to try and climb my way out of the art house ghetto, which can be as much of a, be as much of a trap as making blockbuster films. And then he said that he turned down what we call Human Nature, written by Charlie Kaufman, oh, to direct, out of, yeah, to direct oh. out of sight. And he said, I was very aware that at that point in my career, half the business was off limits to me. Which is why he chose to do it, and then yeah, and like Clooney also said, out of sight was the first time where I had had a say, and it was the first good screenplay that I had read where I just went, "This is it." And even though it didn't do really well box office wise, we sort of tanked again. It was a really good film. And then Jennifer Lopez said it kind of became a cult classic. It didn't get as much notice when it first came out at the box office, but now years later, so many people told me that was their favorite film. It's crazy to me. So wow. yeah, I, these are all really cool stories. And as far as like. Entertainment Weekly voted it as the sexiest film ever yep. on their 50 sexiest yes. movie ever poll. <laughs> you know what's funny? Because I had read this going into the watch. I had just done not as much as I would have liked to, but I did do some preliminary, like, you know, looking up of the movie just yeah. to see what you expect. And I, you there's no doubt, that I was surprised at, like, how the movie is sexy. Don't get me wrong. It has those scenes. Yeah. But I expected yeah. way much more for that sort of title yeah. and moniker of sexiest it's, film it's of all that, time. It's really that scene. It's well, I'm it's sorry, I didn't think it was gonna be <laughs> one scene. I thought it was gonna be like a sex fueled, like crime heist, like propaganda. <laughs> and it's really not. And I appreciate that it's not, but I was like, that's that's what really Jackson like, was uh, expecting a hard R, a hard R rating. <laughs> that's right, but no, it really isn't that. But I mean, you know, it's not to say that it's a lackluster movie by any means because it's not. He was expecting Oppenheimer nudity, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I read that yesterday. I'm like, I'm like okay. No, That's but... right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he, also, he how about no CGI shots in that movie? Did you guys see that? Yeah. I'm how? Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. He said the bomb wasn't going to be, but I expected like certain things. But I'm like, if this doesn't I... get him a best, the best director win with no CGI shots for Please, a film on the bomb. Dear God, let it I'm happen. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, he's never going to win it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, anyway, don't want to. I can go no, on. I, I can't wait for that shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that, week, yeah. I can't wait. You are, you, you're all time. about it. Yeah, you're gonna see. You see, Bar you see that thing the AMC stub said that twenty thousand people have bought tickets Surprise. for Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day for like a double feature. Bro, no, I'm <laughs> not. My, yeah, my bar. Wow, my bar screenings at four. I couldn't get Oppenheimer tickets till ten o'clock. 
Wow. Like, man, I, I, I'm going to have to buy my tickets in advance. And that's not something I have to worry about here because I'm in such a small city. But I, uh, I think I might just, you know, be extra careful and go get them early this time around. No, and no. if and another crazy thing that still blows my mind, Barbie's tracking for box office went up to $93 million opening weekend. That is insane to me. That's like I'm, bigger I'm gonna, than like. I'm, I'm going to lose my bet to David because David said it makes 100. I said it will make like 70 to 80. Okay. Wow. Oh, I made this bet like two uh, months ago. Like, so I'm like, now I would definitely not said it could make 100. I just saw it today too that it's apparently it's Ryan Gosling's flick, like Oscar nom, like yeah, he steals the show. Yeah, yeah. Surprise to see, not surprised because he's awesome, but I would have thought it'd be Margot's show. But no, because anyway. you can see, but you can see by the trailer that he has like the most showier part. True that. I guess he does have to dance a couple times too. But they released a trailer saying today. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Well, you know what movie did not. <laughs> we did not make 90 million dollars pour out of sight this one what did, how did it do when it, when it opened up like what 70 uh, it, it, it opened at 12 million dollars opening weekend 37 domestic 77 worldwide yeah oh, okay. something um it's i mean it turned a profit if you count the overseas yeah but you know, like, they, they usually go like when like if you don't make your month your budget back like in a domestic they always call it a bomb like it's like fight club fight yeah. club didn't make much money in the united states but it made like over 100 million so is a success, but yeah. people like to say it's a bomb because it didn't make back his budget domestically. That's not okay. Yeah, that's not terms. Wonder, I'm clear, I'm sure there's a reason, but yeah, no, you got to consider that domestic or that, that worldwide yeah. box office. So, okay, I, I think better than yeah. I would have thought based on what we were talking about, how it was mm-hmm. poorly received financially. Okay, so it made some money though. Good for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess like for Universal, like they're like, well, it didn't make any money in the States, did it? So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's where that that's what that's where they're like, yeah. Crazy yeah. And I'm guessing they had higher hopes for it because I, I mean, I, like you said, Jackson, like releasing in the summer, they must have thought yeah, they were proud of it. They must have thought they had, yeah, they thought they had something really good, and they did have something really good. They, I mean, they were yeah. right to think it. They I mean, did it's come a out at the right time, and that's okay. It's highly amazing. entertaining movie. Yeah. Yes. I do have to ask, because I didn't really fully ask, why is this your favorite Soderbergh movie? Uh, good. I mean, above uh, all the rest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna say best ensemble cast because that's obviously Ocean's Eleven. Um, I guess the cast, which is the way everybody's used, like Steve Son is great in his role. He Even is, man. Viola he... Davis and and um and them. Now, Jackson that... got me in the mind. I can't remember her. Catherine Keener. Oh, Catherine Keener. Yeah. Catherine Keener. Now you mentioned it. She was like so unmemorable. Like, I completely blank. But you know, just like the little parts. It's just like I, I love the story. I love the dynamic between. It's probably besides Aaron Brockovich, is probably the best female character he's had in his movies. So it's just a, oh, it's a, a, it's just a blend from being a fun movie, being very rewatchable. Um, and then the cast, because like I love Soderbergh, but he doesn't have many rewatchable movies per se. Like that, that I could go on. Like I love Traffic, but Traffic is a heavy movie, and it's so yeah. You can't just pop that in. <laughs> okay, good to know. And then Eric Brockovich is about you know a woman. It's a, it's a great movie. You haven't you haven't seen that one, Jackson? Right? Aaron Brockovich? No, I have not. It's, it, she won her Oscar, but it's like it's a, it's a movie. You know, she plays a woman that discovers like oil, like something wrong, like corruption in oil, right? Something. She's sticking it's, it to the big corporation, it's, right? It's, it's, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like Dark Waters. Right. But it's like, it's another good movie. That's not like, the only movies of his that I find like super rewatchable, like they're fun to revisit is this. No, Ocean's movies. Ocean movies like, are weird. As weird as that sounds, is an entertaining movie. And then I'll say, I'm a big fan of The Informant. I know it's, that's a very divisive movie for people, but I have a lot of fun with The Informant. So I just feel like, 
like with oceans and and out of sight, they're like so. It's just so we watch them movies. So I guess the fact that I just is the one movie of his that I I won't say I watch every year, but maybe every one or two years. I feel that's why it's okay. my favorite. And this is the script. I love the script. I got a question for Script's both of you really. guys that I yeah, kind of yeah. honestly just a because I'm curious, but need I need help answering because as I mentioned earlier, like I love everything I've seen by Soderbergh. I just haven't really seen. He's got a pretty eclectic career. Thirty-five movies. movies say. It's, yeah, so, there it's, you go. It's understandable. Hard to catch them all. I've not seen <laughs> yeah. that many, but I found myself wondering because this is a point I needed to tie this back to something you said earlier, Merck. About uh, you said this movie was reminiscent of like Guy Ritchie for you, right? No, no, no. The, 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 his follow-up is called The Limey. If, if oh, that, okay, right. So, yeah. But you mentioned I actually found myself thinking this movie was very evocative of Guy Ritchie, but obviously yeah, Guy Ritchie has way more of a, of, a, of a personal flair that he adds to his movies. And he also is a director that's made multiple heist movies. And I found myself like kind of struggling to see what Soderbergh's stamp is on his own movies. And the, at least uh, the ones I've seen are all kind of crime capers. Like I've seen Logan Lucky. I've seen his Ocean's Trilogy. Oh, that's I've another remarkable this. one too. So yeah, Logan Lucky was yep. hilarious. And obviously those movies feel very connected. But like I said earlier, he's got a lot of different movies. And Gaius, you mentioned about how he goes out on a limb and does different stuff. So from what I've seen, I guess I can't really, other than the story he's telling and maybe some of his cast that he uses, I can't really say that I know I'm watching a Soderbergh movie. So for someone like me, what do you guys think? Like, is his stamp? What makes it a Steven? You want to go first? Oh shit! Now you go. If anything, you don't well, think that's well, the case. Well, like one of his stamps, he's one of the few directors that knows how to handle a big cast, and right. and like people tend to put the ego aside. Like, there's some movies that you hear where it's like a big cast, and some people didn't get along. Like, he makes a fun set where people like to work in a big group. That's why they got three Oceans movies. Okay. And Oceans, yeah. you haven't seen Traffic, but Traffic is three stories. And similar to this movie, the cinematography is like where each version it, of it has like this. For some, you see how like the prison scene. It changes. The style changes. Yeah. For his ensemble movies, that's like that. It's like Che is a four-hour movie. That's another one that has like. Even, a, even two pirates spread across. The well, no, yeah, like you could watch. Like it's, it's it's like Kill Bill. It's really a one movie, but it's fun. Ah, okay. But, like when I watch shit, I watch them together. I don't like do one and then I do right. the next because it's like it's like it's a complete one four hour movie. But like Kill, like like Kill Bill, just they just there's no way that you could release it there like that. I see. True. Yeah. So it's like like in Traffic was the same thing because Traffic it, it takes place in the young kids that are into drugs, politicians, and then Benicio del Toro he plays like a Mexican cop. And all three of those have like different, like he tends to do that a lot with his visual like, styles, characters, okay, like, different story, like in no sudden move, like like cer- certain. I think like the John Ham scenes has like the fish, ne- the fish, ne- it's like fish scale stuff. They call it when it's like the it's, like a weird looking thing where it's like it's like it looks like it's a camera. Okay, so it's like yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, like, when, it's like you can see his styles more when he has like big ensembles that he wants you to like different differentiate every every story that you're following. He gives it like different color palettes. That's like okay, the, cool. That's the, yeah, that's the biggest step he has as, as a, in terms of a director. Yeah, I agree with you. I fully agree with you what you said about how I think he gets a lot of people to kind of put their egos aside. Because if you look at the budget for Ocean's Eleven and look at the cast, the budget's only eighty five million dollars, and there's a, a lot of top notch talent in that that could have asked for a lot more money. Twenty, 20 plus. And they, yeah, and they all, I guess a lot of them, including, I mean, Julia Roberts at that time was getting $20 million a movie, and she was one of the people of many of them that took a pay cut in order to be in it. And they and it was and it was in order to work with him and then work with that cast and be in that movie. So he has an ability to get, you know, big ensemble cast to kind of, it sounds really weird to say get in line, but they, they're they really there for the work and not before, yeah. you know, and then that above all else. And like, 
really do see the whole color visual changes in this movie too. Like early in the movie where it's like the stuff in Miami or the prisons like more brightly lit. And then when they yeah. get to Detroit, there's more like the more blues right, and like stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So that happens a lot. That happens in traffic too. There's like different visual cues for each story in traffic that he does. Uh, I will say that like, it's interesting watching out of sight and then th- I haven't watched Ocean's Eleven in a, in a bit, but you can really so tell, good. like he, you could tell that he was like kind of getting like his feet wet with something like out of sight, and yeah. then putting some of those and putting some of that stuff into like Ocean's Eleven, where like that was like his that was going to be like almost a signature visual style for him a little bit, and he does it well. I mean, like I think he it's a it's a very those movies out of sight the Ocean's movies they're very cool looking movies like you can, they're very sleek looking movies too they're like. The cinematography is all really great. Okay. Um, so, so I think that's where his stamp is. But I think more so than the stuff he does behind the camera is like what he's able to do getting kind of A-list talent like that together with no problem. And that yeah. is kind of hard usually for a lot of people. It's hard to get like Julia Roberts's and Clooney's and Damon's and a bunch of people like that like in the one movie at Pitts and have it like work like a well-oiled machine. But like he, right. he's managed to do it several times. And, you know, and for better or worse, the ocean sequels, however you feel about them, uh, they I were all willing part, to go back. It was just like, 12, you know, it's part 12 has my favorite sequels in the whole in the whole franchise, the, the whole Trudeau oh, Roberts thing. Oh, see, I love that bit. Everyone hates it. Everyone I know hates it. They're like, oh, I hate that part. I hate that part Ooh, of the movie. I'm friend. like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm like, it's so funny though. But yeah, I that yeah. Part is so great. Yeah, that's that's kind of like his stamp, I think, at least for okay. me. Right. But I can kind of see. I feel like you would really. I mean, Traffic's a heavy movie, but right. it's really well done. Well, I think you would really. Jack, that's that's my favorite of the ones he's done. No, when, uh, you, when you get a chance, period. just DM me the ones that you've seen, and I'll I'll give you like a little small list of of the ones to see because he has so many movies that are that you could skip. Like, remember the guy right. has thirty five movies. He just loves filmmaking, so he doesn't care. Like he he did right. a movie called Bubble in a factory that he shot like in a week <laughs> and and he released it digitally I mean, he released it in vod and in theater at the same time which was a big thing back five like people were mad at him right, so, like, i can does, imagine he does a lot of experimental stuff so like just when you have time just dm me the movies you've seen and i'll let you All know right. which ones is worth watching because like you know if you go through much film, i mean i've seen it because it's just me like I'm, I'm a nut i watch everything right but i know you're like usually you try to use your time wise so I'll give you like <laughs> a list of like five, okay. like five to seven that like the ones that you should watch first before anything else. I will definitely do that. Thank you, my man. No problem. Yeah, that's a. It'll be a good little like kind of. Yeah, he's right because there's certain things in there. There'll be certain there's certain things in there. You're like, oh, I don't. Like, no, I'm not wishing time with like that. <laughs> Totally right. I like to. The girlfriend, experience, the girlfriend experience is just like another experiment. Like, I mean, kudos to him because he has the time to do it. Right. But it's like, all right, I'll, he likes he can fuck around and like do that <laughs> stuff. But it's definitely not for everyone. Like, you I mean he's certainly a filmmaker that's like I made that to see face. if I could do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And who happened to get very lucky after this to get like a few mainstream hits in where he could where he could experiment more if he wanted to. I mean, that's kind of like the perk, I guess, of having like a few hits in a row. You can, yeah, you know, throw a little. You can throw a little bit of money at like passion project. Oh, <laughs> and the Oscar, yeah, that's true. And the fact that he got nominated for best director, like for two movies in the same year. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, a lot what, of people thought that Traffic should have won best picture over Gladiator too. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a big that was a, that was a, that big, was a big deal because he won best director for Traffic, and, then, and I mean. And then, the next award was Gladiator. Everybody, you know, usually, especially back in those days, they didn't split. Like nowadays, they split a lot. But back in those days, your yeah. movie won, your movie won best director. You was winning best picture. They rarely split back then. Yeah, and that's what I was caring back then about. The, I was like traffic <laughs> all day. I mean, even though I love, even though I love Gladiator, I love yes. Gladiator. But 
like he traffic is just like a power. I know. I was like alone. I was like. I think I was like sitting in the corner alone. There was like, yeah, a fucking gladiator. I was like, yeah, no traffic. Gladiator, <laughs> especially, especially, especially for for us guys. Like gladiator is like a, you know, it's like. I mean, I like gladiator. No, I love. But, it. You know the, our drug movie is more like you know intense. More of a conventional Yeah, a bit. Yeah, it is. One's me. I guess they're both kind of Oscar beady in their own way. Yeah. Oh, like, a, a little bit. Oh, and then also. Out of sight did spawn a short-lived TV show called Karen Sisko on ABC. No, it was called Karen Sisko. Sisko. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, she was Karen Sisko. Was canceled after 10 episodes. <laughs> it didn't last long. Yeah. Wow. Uh, did not. Apparently, they said that they faced stiff competition from Law and Order, which is why it never <laughs> won in its time slot. <laughs> but that's as far as these characters that character's gone uh, since out of sight and danny devito is actually an executive producer on this because he you know he he was he was in good shorty and he was a producer on that as well and be cool unfortunately. and be cool oh, i forgot about be cool his father uh, was his father-in-law jennifer lopez's dad or he had a role in this movie Jenny DeVito's. I read that earlier. No, no, he was just the producer. Dennis Farina was was with Jennifer Lopez's dad. The dad, dad, okay. yeah. One of the, saying Danny DeVito's father in law had a role, I think, somewhere in the movie. Oh, I, coincidentally. Oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that. Yeah, yeah, somebody may know. Like, might... like a little bit part. Yeah, I mean, probably. I don't, know who, I don't know who his wife's dad is. He was exactly. a producer exactly. in Rockovich. So that, oh, that, okay. was, that was kind of a good partnership. I'm pretty sure that, oh, you did such a great job at Out of Sight. Let me give you a Rockovich. Nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, and Danny DeVito was almost going to play Albert Brooks's role, but I I see that, maybe a little bit. <laughs> that would have been kind of fun. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I can only see Danny DeVito as the penguin sometimes. I feel yeah. so bad. Like, I try, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that too. That too. But, uh, but he's a very, you know, he's very, you know, you know, it's a particular size and, you know, he can only do so much. <laughs> and now, <laughs> there's always plenty in Philadelphia because that, like, first, right, like, yeah. Jackson's generation, especially, that's like, that's besides maybe the penguin, that's what they really know him as for in Sunny, yep. old Sunny in Philadelphia. And that's He's such an icon, like, man. That that character is just, I haven't seen that show in such a long time, but I remember that him and Charlie Day's character just got into so many weird shit. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Oh, and then like, Eric, you mentioned like uh, how you like the editing in this. They said in 2012, the Motion Picture Editors Guild listed Out of Sight as the 52nd best edited film of all time based on a survey of its membership. Oh, uh, and we're talking about probably like millions of movies, so that's, that's pretty. Different. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is edited pretty well. I mean, it's a. I feel like you know it, it's interesting. It's linked to the commentary about like the stuff he kind of trimmed and like he was very meticulous about it. I can't believe he wanted to cut that that one bar scene down though. Oh like, man, I don't know how. I don't know how you see that. You're like, at least to lose something. Oh, but it's so well done though. No, remember when they're looking at it. They're probably were looking at it without the music. So, like, when you listen with, if you don't have oh, the score, sure. remember a lot of times they add the, the score afterwards. So, if you're looking at that scene without score, it's yeah. it, you can imagine why it feels like such a long thing. Like, but like you said, like you know, like it just it works so good because you sometimes forget. Cause remember, they go they go to the bedroom and then they go back to to the to the to the restaurant. So you forget like, that you're in the same scene, kind of in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like you like, like yeah. you think okay, the dinner scene is over, but then no, we're still getting more of the conversation, and it plays out good because it kind of reflects of what we're kind of seeing in the bedroom yeah and i would be miss not to mention the actual ending of the movie which which probably goes along with my friend being like yep she's going to compromise her career for <laughs> for 
<laughs> like, dude, I love the I love how it's I mean the subtle way it, everything's implied. Like, yeah, she's just setting him up so he can get out again and they can have like this nice little, you know, whatever. If he happen, you know, so she can like whatever adventure she can have with him after post breaking out, because we get like a fun Samuel L. Jackson cameo at the end and we learn that he's yeah. escaped from like what nine they said nine prisons <laughs> they said <laughs> during that scene. Uh I know it's almost like a nice little subtle way to end the movie where it's like I was like, how do you end it? Like where does their relationship kind of go? <laughs> like I mean, he he has to go to jail, right? But I think it's cool that she, you know, hey, I don't, I she's she found someone that excites her, so let her do her thing. <laughs> and if not, yeah, you know, whatever. He could have got away, like town. That's what I love about the town. Yeah, I that's true. If ben Affleck got caught. Yeah, me too. Even though he's a you know a crook, <laughs> and that's the interesting thing about these movies, though. You, you root for these people, even though they're exactly. not really doing that's, right that's things, the- right? That's how you know the performance is good because there's certain movies where it's like I kind of want the bad guys to get caught, and then well, you know yeah. when it comes to like out of sight, Tom, he unfortunately no, but like those are movies that I kind of want the villains to, to to win, right? So like it's yeah. like he got went back to jail, but I mean I'd rather that than him dying. So whatever, true that, yeah. And I will say this too about George Clooney, who I think is very strong here. I think he's really good. I am glad that eventually though he showed more range in like other movies too, though where he's not just playing like conventionally handsome or like you know kind of like kind of like the old hollywood kind of like like thing that he kind of does in this movie and kind of does it in like the oceans movies too um because he, he could have easily just fallen back on that and just done it probably oh brother where art thou his role in that i like okay. it's like because it's so different yeah. from all it's so different from his other stuff yeah yeah i have it on DVD. yeah mine's <laughs> uh, up in the air I love up in the air. Oh wait! Oh, that's a oh wait 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 hold on. Wait, all right, hold up. I'm gonna flip that and reverse it. All right, up in the air, and then oh, I forgot about up in the air. And wow. then, that is such a. I chemistry revere for me is probably my second favorite after his with J Lo in this movie. That it's really good. So yeah, good in that movie. Jackson is yours, Batman and Robin. Just so Dawn. Oh, dude, just so Dawn. Sick. I recently saw him in Three Kings, and I yes. really liked him in that. Um, and the behind the scenes on that movie is crazy. He did not get along with yeah. uh, David oh, O. Russell. Oh, no way. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. Him, and, him and David O. Russell clash like a motherfucker. He will yeah. never work with him again. They got into a fist fight. No. Yeah, they do a fist fight. Yeah. yeah. It's so, cra- it's so crazy to me. He is a prick. But it's so crazy to me how you hear stories like that. And George Clooney's like, dude. Never work with that guy again. Fucking Lily Tomlin's like, dude, he yelled at me on the set of I Heart Huckabees. Never work with that guy again. But then there are people like Mark Wahlberg no, no, she, more she, than she once. Will <laughs> oh, she will again. Oh, yeah. And then Amy Adams more than once. Jennifer Lawrence more than once. <laughs> it's, really, it's interesting to see. More than once. More than once. And Amy Adams admitted that he made her cry. And she was like, oh, wow. down to work with him. Yeah. So I like, I don't see how that's fun for an actor to work up. Under those conditions, but <laughs> George quality films, I guess. So he does. I mean, like, yeah, George. Joy and Amsterdam. Oh yeah, uh, but but yeah, freaking yeah. That if we ever cover Three Kings, like that that story is like he did not get along at all. It came to blows. And, that, and we're talking about a movie with like Mark Wahlberg and like Ice Cube on set, and like Ice Cube yeah. to come to blows with anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, by then. I know it's pretty boy. Uh, just kidding. So, any parting words on the movie before we wrap up, Jackson? Like overall, like is it something that you think kind of twenty five years, like looking at it, something that's twenty five years old, that stand up today? 
that kind of thing. I don't think this movie really showed its age, which I could appreciate. I mean, obviously, as the years go by, it will, but I feel like it stands the test of time. It feels not, it doesn't even really feel like just thinking about it now. I hadn't really taken the time to reflect because I really just wrapped this up shortly before we recorded, but I didn't feel like it's, it didn't come across to me as like a movie, a product of its time. I feel like it has some longevity to it, which I appreciate. Again, like very solid performances all around. You can't take that away from it. A good early, early, well, early to mid, a couple more earlier Soderbergh, which if you guys, anybody is a fan of his work, then this would be definitely one of the ones to watch. Glad I got it in. But overall, like definitely, like you boys had mentioned earlier, will benefit from a rewatch and one that I need to see because I didn't get subtitles on this one either. So can't wait to <laughs> see what I catch when I get another rewatch under the right conditions with subtitles. I'm sure my enjoyment of this movie will go even farther, but for now, I said I, I enjoyed it on the level of like a seven, though I understand okay. that'll be better than a seven. Just I had to take in a lot of variables, but very much a good, good, great watch. All right. What about you, Merkin? You can score it too for yourself. I mean, oh, well, I mean, score is 4.5. Like, there's a few minor things, like I said, is there's, there's certain scenes that I would have personally cut off, but besides that, I think it's like as good as a, as good as a cape, cape, prime cape could be. And yep. honestly, the lasting impression for me is just the cast. Like, if he got he got the right actors for the right part, regardless of how small there is, and the fact that there's so many actors that became big, like Viola Davis, Don Cheadle, and with mm-hmm. MCU, that gave him so. Because Don Cheadle was always a great actor, but MCU really got him exposure to casual viewers who might have maybe not right. been into Rosewood or Devil in the Blue Dress. So the yeah, yeah the, la- the the lasting impact of this movie is the cast who a lot of everybody went on to bigger things after that like Ving Rhames with the Mission Impossible movies mm. and Paul Fiction. So yeah, and then for anybody in the U.S., I mean I don't know how it is in Canada, but it's on Peacock right now. Like if you have never if you never seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, you want to revisit after listening to the podcast. It's on Peacock right now, so you can rewatch it real easily. Yeah, get that watching. Yeah, yeah, get it in for sure. I probably give it out of ten, like an eight point five. I think out of ten, like. I think it's a, it still holds up really well. Again, I think you're seeing like some of these people like at their early best too. Like you're seeing George Clooney really become like George Clooney, Clooney. and I mean, yes. And you're seeing and you're seeing Jennifer Lopez, who I mean at that time was like at like that third film for her. I mean, like it's it's weird to name Anaconda, right? Because that's not a great movie, but but she's still good in it. But she it was a hit, and she's good in it. And like she was still like she had like first three movie streak for her and i guess i forgot what came after this if it was the cell or like what she did after out of sight i don't, I don't, th- I don't think she had a movie 99 i think the cell might have been yeah, yeah cell was 2000 like, i was on that earlier. yeah that- so this so the cell's a good follow-up after this too for her and like you know oh no never uh, mind. you know i forgot i forgot she did ants oh the voice she did a voice in ants <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no but a good indication of like what she can do with her talent if someone like kind of like if she's given the right script and the right director and yes. if she kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, asserts herself a bit more that like, I, you know, puts herself out there a bit more, she could be a pretty great performer. And then, you know, just seeing like these kind of beginning stages for everyone, seeing like Oderberg really like take off with this too afterwards. And it, it feels like a good starting point for a lot of people in here, what they would do next. And if anything, if the movie wasn't that financially successful, it was, good for them in that regard where it was like all right well yeah, this gives us an indication yeah this gives us an indication of what you can do so let's see if you can do it in an even bigger vehicle so like i mean for that i think it's an important movie in the grand scheme of things even 25 years later looking at these careers and 
what it's done for them since then. And I, I don't know, I think it still holds up. It's entertaining. I mentioned the length of Jackson. It did feel a little long towards the end on the rewatch, but like, I mean, but not like, you know, punishingly it's long. A, it's just it's like, it's like, it is, it is above two hours, right? Yeah, yeah, just above two hours. But I was, I was feeling it this time, like towards the end. I was like, oh, a little bit. But yeah, you know, it still holds up and it's a fun movie. And, you know, in the grand scheme of like kind of crime caper movies, even though it's a little bit, the crime caper itself is simple. You're being sold more on like the character relationships more than the mm-hmm. caper itself. Agreed. I still think it stands up a big way amongst other kind of crime caper movies as well. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm glad that you got to revisit it. And Jackson, you got to re- watch it for the first time, not okay. ideally in spurts without <laughs> subtitles, but, <laughs> but uh, one day, one day you'll see it the right way. And one day soon. Yeah. I think that's, it guys if yeah. jackson you want to well actually before we do that uh, Eric, right. you've been on with us a few times let everyone know where they can find you where you're delivering movie news better than most of us who do it for a living there you go <laughs> find me at Merc with the movies like g mentioned i post post reviews and use pretty much about everything like i don't discriminate like oh like I put in these foreign films, big movies. Like there's a little bit of everything. You can find a, everything on my page, TV news, and uh, I pretty much go to the movies every weekend. So you're you could expect uh reviews on big big releases by at least by Friday, Saturday, the latest. And I'm currently doing a year long project where I'm doing it's called 90s Film Friday, where I'm reviewing uh 90s film every every Friday. I'm, I usually try to pick a little bit obscure, you know, like big popular movies everybody knows. But in my page, you can find a lot of good things. Nice. Yeah, is I I think we both can second second and third that it's a uh, very very can. very good page and he gets a lot. I we always have been mentioned this with the help of a lovely wife helps him get all that yes. stuff out in a timely a timely, in a timely manner. But it's very well done and he does not discriminate. He covers everything. <laughs> yes, he does. And it's even stuff that I miss. I'm like, oh well, cool, man. So, <laughs> so Mer- Mer- you guys are both very reliable for new for movie news. And he, so much. He so should much. be doing this for a living. Yeah. <laughs> hey, any connections? Throw them at me. I would love. <laughs> That's right. I'm surprised not to be honest, because maybe listeners that have heard earlier episodes that Merck and I had been on know, but uh, I guess when I was following you, I was also following Merck. This is before we had ever met, and I've been following him. For probably around the same amount of time as you as as you, so we didn't even meet the show, but I had followed him before, and you guys were both very reliable and some of my favorite uh, entertainers, at least on Instagram. That's where I followed you guys, so it's just funny how that works, right? But yeah, so yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, that's what that's when I that's why I knew I picked well with Jackson because I think when I mentioned that I picked him and I posted in something. And Merck was yeah, like, was, "Oh, I know yeah. Jackson." Yeah, <laughs> I was, was like, "Oh, we had talked many times." And he was a big supporter. Of my early page I had back in my college days, which meant a lot. So I appreciate it. It's great to have you on again, Merck. We can't wait to have you back when we talk about uh, faculty later this year. So look forward to that. Even before, you know, you're always hey, welcome. I, hope, I, hope, I hope you can squeeze me in for one of the summer blockbusters or something. Or yes, I'm there so you cool. go. Yeah, I mean, you of, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. For sure. All that out of the way, guys. That's all we got for you today. Episode 107 of Back to the Blockbuster is wrapped. Thank you very much, Merck, for joining us taking time out of your busy schedule to get out of sight in with Gaius and I. It's been a pleasure as always, my friend. Guys, you know where to find us now, anywhere you guys get your podcasts. And recently on the Playlist app, which you guys can download as of July 7th, right on the uh, right on the iOS store, and I believe they're bringing it to other platforms here soon. They're working on that. But if you guys 
stream us on Apple devices, make sure you guys check us out on the playlist app or anywhere you guys get your podcasts. Anywhere you guys get your social media, you guys can find us at Back to the Blockbuster. This has been episode 107 featuring special guest Merc with the Movies. Thanks again. Guys, been a pleasure chatting out of sight with you guys. As always, peace. Peace out, guys. Damn, you're good at this. Like, <laughs> he's so good. That's how he's been doing it. He just said it like nothing. Like, it was just like, it's how 